Here we go, another edition of Night Court. Welcome, I'm Rob Fisher. He is Brevin Knight, your hosts for the next half hour, and we got a lot to get into. BK, good afternoon. It's gorgeous out here. Oh, man. We're beautiful. back on the porch. We're back, we're back out Back out in the elements. Got to walk the dogs this morning, and even started sweating a little bit. It's like, whoa, what? what's going on? <laughs> Before we it's, – it's basketball week. It's March. This is uh, – it's amazing what holding a piece of paper that has a bracket on it does for people. Well, it, for me, it, it angers me because I, I've, I've only, in the last 13 years, I've only been able to fill out a bracket once with some type of joy because Stanford hasn't been in a tournament <laughs> only one time. Yeah, well, we'll get to that coming up here in a moment. But where can people find us? People can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, subscribe, tell your friends. Write a review. Uh, you can get Night Court wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we thank you for listening. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, there's a Night Court Twitter handle. It's at Night Court 22. At Night Court 22. You can follow Brevin at Brevin Night 22. You can follow me at The Fish Nation. You can ask us questions that we'll get to on the show. You can give us your final four. Tell us who's going to win the championship and uh, get all those picks in now because, you know, now is when they matter. Now is when they mean something. You know, don't wait till the Elite Eight and then give me your final Exactly. Four. When, when we want to see how good you are at this point. Yeah. Um, before we get to the NCAA tournament, and I like saying tournament this time of year. It's the only time of year that I say it that way. Tournament. Tournament. <laughs> before we get to the NCAA tournament, a couple of things I wanted to uh, just kind of wrap up from the week gone by. Um, one, on a broadcast, our first game back, you used the quote, nature is amazing. I'd like you to expound. <laughs> well, well, it, well, it's amazing, number one, because it, it did, it's able to adjust to whatever environmental changes go on. Mm-hmm. But it is also amazing to see how they adapt to whatever the circumstances may be, whether it is the least food deprivation, water deprivation, heat, extreme cold, uh, just to be able to watch them navigate it all and have their own level of communication with each other, but also how to deal with all of those different circumstances to me is uh, it's mind-boggling. All I know is there was a span where we would be on the team plane or on the bus where you had your phone out watching like a jungle. It was just like a camera set up in a jungle. And you would just watch it for hours on end just to see if any animals like moved. Hey, the best and the best angles would be the watering hole. And that was a wild safari is what it was called. And they still do it now. I'm just I haven't been into it as much as I was at that time. But yeah, it would, it would literally just be they have cameras that are at different areas of different uh different national parks and you just watch whenever an animal would go by that would be the sounds of the night would be intriguing to me uh, the other thing that has happened and maybe more importantly since we last did this podcast uh you played pickleball hey i i am a for, for i had my comment uh, that i had with scott foster and, and saying that pickleball was an old people's game and i got quickly uh uh, reprimanded by uh-huh. by enough people for it, and then I went and did it for the first time, and, and you know I gotta say I'm I, I am a I'm a pickleball enthusiast. How would you explain pickleball to people? I, I would explain it as it is like 
bigger ping pong, not uh, not tennis because in, in tennis you still have the space. It's this the court is is like a half of a tennis court that you can use, and that's for the entire space of the pickleball court. Um, but the speed at which they hit this doggone oversized wiffle ball uh, is amazing. And then, and then the strategy that you have to use to be able to be good, I, I, I liked it because of the reaction. You have to have good reaction time, but you also have to have good placement of the ball. And so I, I was, I, I was, I played the first game. I just like everybody know I got my ass kicked every day by <laughs> every one of old people that I want to talk about that was there. Every one of them kicked my ass, and I think the most, the best score that I had was eleven two or eleven three in one of the games, and, and it was, uh, but it was, it was fun. It was, and so I, I even called up my buddy Cedric Henderson, and told him that he, I, I may need a a pickleball partner. Oh yeah. So, so we're gonna, I think, think we're gonna work on that, man. With I think with his size and his length, maybe he can intimidate a couple of people so we can get some wins. You know me. I like to, if I can't play the sport, I want to look the part. What's the attire for pickleball? It's like uh, gym attire. So you just wear some shorts and a T-shirt. My my first experience, I was didn't get able, wasn't able to get back home from playing golf. So I played my first rounds of pickleball mm-hmm. in golf gear. So <laughs> golf pants with a, with a uh, short sleeve shirt, but I had on sneakers and um, – Taylor Taylor, who is the president of an association called Game, um, that deals with um, being able to use pickleball to help people, help enrich people's lives. Um, and she is a fantastic teacher um, with a high motor. I thought that I had energy. I can't match her energy at all. So we, we had a good time. Rich Cho was there kicking on people's butts. Yeah. Um, so it was good. It was fun. Pickleball. Wow. It's going to be an Olympic sport soon. Yes, it's going to be an Olympic sport. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I watch the people that really play it, play it, and I can I could sit down and watch a pickleball match. Really? Okay. All right. Uh, you got to dink and dunk for a while. You dink and dunk, dink and dunk, and you get that opportunity to put a little heat to it. Then you do. <laughs> Look at me. Pickleball. <sighs> BK. Yeah, amazing. The uh, the incredible, marvelous Marvin Hagler passed away this week. Were you a Hagler fan? No, I, I was a Hagler fan for one reason, because you knew every time that there was a Hagler fight, it was going to be a real fight. Yeah. It was not going to be a, we're going to prance around and maybe I'm going to throw some punches when it gets to the last 30 seconds of a round. It was going to be, when it said ding at the beginning of the round, the punches were going to start throwing. And, when, and once I saw his record, I think he was... 55 and three or something we only had three three or four losses and in, in, in his illustrious career and the majority of his wins were knockouts mm-hmm. um, and so it, it was it was sad to to hear of his passing and, and I, I could I appreciated him as a true boxer he was my favorite boxer growing up and a guy I mean I, and I loved him because he was a southpaw which I just learned this week actually he was right-handed but, but was boss. coached to box left-handed, which made his jab so devastating, um, which I found pretty interesting. But uh, loved him, and boy, you're right. I mean, every fight that he had felt like it was a huge fight, and, and it was action-packed. I mean, Hagler Hearns, even though it didn't last long, felt like it lasted an eternity because it was one of the greatest just throw-down fights you'll ever see in your life. And amazing that he went on to become like an actor in Italy and just, I mean, had a had a marvelous career. I mean, he is he is aptly nicknamed, no doubt about it. And I loved 
Marvin Hagler. So uh, sad, sad to see him go. Um, Drew Brees has left the National Football League. He has retired, and I think it's it's appropriate. Yeah, he, I, he needed I, to. I, yes, I think he has he has maximized everything that he could in his body, physically, mentally, um, being in the game, and, and has done so many good things uh, for the city of New Orleans. And, and uh, he, he's one of those guys that I think, like after he's done, so many times, then you'll be, then you're like, oh, we'll remember all the great times. Forget the last couple seasons Mm -hmm. that but the season for the majority of his career um he was a quarterback that gave the Saints the Saints a chance to win every day or every evening they stepped on to the football field yeah he was awesome and uh but it's time for Drew Brees to step away I was stunned to look back he played five seasons in San Diego I like don't even remember his days in San Diego when when you play as long as you played in New Orleans and had the career then you a lot of times you're going to forget where they started. I mean, it was 15 years he was in New Orleans, and he played five in San Diego, and I don't, I just don't remember him at Did he all. play in San Diego? Was yeah. He? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I don't remember I, that at all. I don't either. Like, I don't remember anybody from San Diego except for uh, – LT? Uh, uh, no, 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 their quarterback. They're just – Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers, and gosh, I just left his, lost his name as their old quarterback. Dan back Fouts. Dan Fouts. Those are only two quarterbacks. That Feels I, like that's the only two they've had. They're like Steelers coaches. <laughs> um, all right, uh, NBA whip around. Uh, looking at some of the teams that we've seen up close uh, here in the last week, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks still, still kind of the same, aren't they? That's, that's how I see them. I see them as a great regular season team. That when they get to the playoffs, is when you're. When your star is limited in his offensive abilities, and to this point, uh, and once you in terms of half court basketball, um, then it just ma- it, ma- it makes it that much harder on everybody else. Everyone else's role they have to step up even higher. And I'm gonna continue to say, once Giannis is able to make a 15 to 18 foot jump shot, then the Milwaukee Bucks become a true title contender in my book. Mm-hmm. But not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, the Washington Wizards. They're, they're, they're that team that you like, uh, well, today, what do you think today? Because you can watch them play one game, and you can say, boy, these dudes, with Russell Westbrook, the way he pushes it, Bradley Beal, his ability to get shots, um, this is a really good team. Now, what I do say is not every team has a Dylan Brooks that's able to just take away their better player, and that's that was the difference in the two games that the Grizzlies played against them. Was Dylan was able to just neutralize Bradley Beal, and then the Grizzlies from there were able to win. But uh, I, I still think they're a team that they can beat you, um, but they can also be beat. I've never had feelings towards Wes, Russell Westbrook that I've never thought to myself, "Oh, poor guy," but I kind of did <laughs> watching the Wizards play. Because Russell's one of those guys, you know, you just hate to play against him. Oh, yeah. And he plays angry. Yes. And he's just, he's he's going 100% and great or just the whole game. But he's just kind of, yeah, he's just disappearing there. He, he, he didn't, you know, a lot of times when you start to move forward in your career, like, I want to go to a winning situation. He just, he just didn't go. He, he was. He's not afforded the opportunity to go to that type of situation at this moment. Doesn't diminish the player that he is, but they need they need more to be able to compete with the upper echelon yeah. teams 
in the East. Yeah, Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets are are are, are a fantastic team because they got they got a true MVP candidate on their team. Uh, I mean, Jokic is is everything that he's built to be and more. I mean, and I think we we've seen both extremes. We've seen a game where he didn't take a shot at all until the last possession of the game, which we were as a head scratcher. But then we've seen the great side of him where he has a monster double-double, makes the big shot down the stretch, um, and makes it going to the basket. It wasn't making the right play. It was a one-on-one move and a finish with his left hand. And so uh, I, I think that they possess uh, enough. And their Michael Porter Jr. looks good. And I think th- with the change in their lineup, if Millsap can stay healthy and give them a scoring option to come off the bench because – with Will Barton being in the starting lineup, that kind of takes away a little bit of that bench punch. Um, and then they got to get Gary Harris back. So I think they're they're a dangerous team. I don't know if they're I don't know if they're as dangerous as the run that they made last year, though. Yeah, I, I, Millsap is amazing to me. What a career he's had. He's been in the league forever. I mean, he was a rookie when was I was you. In, when I was in Utah, and at that point. I knew that he was going to be a fantastic NBA player. Didn't know what the longevity would look like. You never know with injuries, situations, but um, he had, he's he's a he's a fantastic player. Well, and what he did in Utah those first couple of years, I, I think maybe he never reached the potential that we thought he'd reach. But he still has been a solid, good player for a long time. Oh, he's he's one of those guys that you're not going to talk about, but then when you get in the game, you're like, damn, this dude is hurting us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I say that great handle of the basketball, which gives him an advantage in those mid-post situations, whether you want to play him with a bigger player or a smaller player. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, um, if you asked me their starting five right now, I don't, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you five people on their team. And we just, we just played, played them. them. Just played them. Well, I can tell you one player. Shea Gilders-Alexander is phenomenal. And when, when you're looking to rebuild as they are at this point, he is a fantastic piece. You always I always say, to be a good team, you like to be good down the center, which is your point guard and your center. You like to have those two positions solidified. They got one part of the puzzle definitely solidified. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I give them credit, though, because we've seen the Thunder twice they they play hard. I mean they they they're one of those teams. You better remember that they're NBA players over on that side. Yeah, because if you don't, you lose. As the Grizzlies yeah. found found out the hard <laughs> way, and, and names of people that you might not know. But we said we kind of said on the telecast like the Brooklyn Nets before they became this new look Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. They they were just a team that they were going to fight you to the end. And if you gave them an opportunity, they could beat you. All right, college basketball. I I was surprised to learn this. You told me the other day that you never played in a conference tournament because you didn't have conference tournaments in the Pac-10 then. Hated it. That's too bad. Man, it was was the worst feeling. Uh, Number one, you had to make sure that you played well enough during the regular season to solidify what your position would be. Um, But it it was just, just the vibe to be able to go somewhere else and play against other teams and play against those teams in that in that win or go home fashion because I always felt like that got teams ready to play in the NCAA tournament teams that were going to be NCAA teams the mm-hmm. pressure of having to win that game to move forward and there's something you about playing it. you know teams you've probably already played twice 
and now have to play them again in a tournament. I mean, you get familiar with these teams, and that's when that's when some hate comes out and a little extra energy and a little extra aggression. And I know this guy, or this guy got me last time, or I got this guy last time, and all all of that goes into that too. And that's when your your out of state rivalries kick in because yeah. the way that the conference is made up is we the in state schools, or so you already have your rivalries that are just already made up. But then you can start to have other rivalries because you may run into these teams numerous times and in, in within those in, in those tournaments. So yeah, I, I I hate that you know I never had the opportunity to play in a a postseason conference tournament. Yeah, uh, Memphis Tigers they lose in the conference tournament to Houston. They are left out of the NCAA tournament. They are a one seed in the NIT. You played in the NIT. Um, what what would you what advice would you give the Tigers as they get ready for their first game? Take it seriously, um, because we I, I, my freshman year we thought we should have been an NCAA team. We weren't NIT. We were an NIT team. Played our home game, and I, I believe it was against BYU. Um, and and our mind was not there. Our mind was on the snub of not being in the NCAA tournament, and we lost the first game. And so uh, the biggest thing I would say is. You didn't the turn NCAA didn't happen. That's over. Your mind shift has to change to winning the games that you still have the opportunity to play because you still have a chance to play and you still have a chance to win a postseason tournament. And so the, the biggest thing is shift your focus and your all of your energy now to the upcoming situation. Yeah, and I wonder how that attitude is this year where they're in Dallas. They're going to be in Dallas the whole time. Uh, that's where the NIT is being played. Same with the NCAA tournament with everything being in Indianapolis. I mean, these kids are going to be just together, and that's it. Stuck in their hotel rooms for who knows how long that, you know, maybe I think it could go one of two ways. One, it's the, well, we got nothing else to do. Let's go win. Or it's, boy, this really sucks. I want to go home. And you hope it's the latter. And because I, I, for for a lot of people whose basketball careers may only be college, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you take full advantage of the experience. And and, and so th- this is still another chance to for you to get better, for this team to get better, to see what they look like as they move into next season. And so uh, I, I hope that they take it seriously and make a big run. All right, NCAA tournament gets underway this week. The brackets are out. Uh, your NCAA tournament experience, uh, I guess you have to tell the, the, what is it, Andre Miller story? Yeah, well, you know, we, my senior year, we, we play against the University of Utah. Um, and we go down to the end, and it's a great game. What round? This is uh, the Sweet 16, playing in San Jose, which was the loudest game that I've ever been a part of in, in my entire basketball career. And, and I get a shot from the corner. We were down three with seconds to go and make the corner three, and Andre Miller fouled me. But they didn't want to call the foul. And so we uh, we go into overtime, and they, they, they were just – they just had too much. Their team, I think, had four pros that left from that team They, they to go to the, the pros. They had Keith Van Horn, of course, Andre Miller, uh, Hanno Medela, who I played with at, in Atlanta. He was my teammate with the Hawks. Um, Cam, I, sh- I should have played with everybody in the NBA. And then uh, uh, Doliak, Michael Doliak. So they, they have four pros on their team. But, hey, listen, I, I, I tell everybody, I will go to battle with my Stanford guys any day of the week uh, because they put those hard hats on and we went out there and competed. But the refs didn't, didn't think that it was right for them to, to insert themselves into the game 
when I was clearly flat fouled. Has Andre ever admitted it to you? He hasn't, but his mom has told me that she thought I was fouled because his mom, hey, we once we uh, once we became teammates in Cleveland, his mom, who I love to death, uh, such a great woman, maybe one time told me that maybe Andre fouled you, but we're not going to tell Andre that. <laughs> what's the What's the coolest thing about the NCAA tournament? The best part, man, is this for schools that are not um, big TV schools. This is your chance, and for players, this is your chance to prove. It's a proving ground. And, and that's the way that I approached every year from my sophomore year to my senior year was this was my chance to show the rest of the country how good our team is, but also how good I am. And, and so that's, that's, that's the best part. And you're playing against teams and people that you, you don't play against, on, you, you haven't played against ever, more, more times than not, the schools you've never played against. Um, and so their their whatever their stature is in their in their conference, and, and so you also you play for yourself, your school, but also for your conference, yeah. because you want you want people to respect uh, the Pac-12. At that time, we want people to respect the Pac-10, and you know you're gonna get everyone's best. It's gonna be the, it's, it's almost like when you go to the NBA playoffs, the different signage that's on the floor, the lights seem like they're brighter. Mm-hmm. There's more media people around. It's just the the stage is so much bigger and it's, it's it's your opportunity to show whether you belong or not you and you're the point guard you're a senior you're a leader of the team uh, how do you how do you lead the guys into that situation for guys who are doing well, it maybe for the first time well i think that that leadership starts from the beginning of the year you don't want to get to the tournament and think like now let me turn on my leadership skill right. no you you should have been leading your your squad uh the entire time so once you got there the patterns of what y'all do were already there. It's just now the game have to elevate. And as being as being a the star player, you have to elevate your game even more because you know that if you have freshmen or sophomores, that's, that's the difference between playoffs and, and college. You still got very young guys that you're having to depend on um, in, in crucial moments. And so uh, just to make sure that you instill in them the confidence that you have in them um, but you, as as the the main guy, you got to go out and produce because you got to make the game easier for them. That last game, your last game of the season. Yep, it's got to be it's got to be the hardest loss all year. Well, it was it was it was definitely the hardest loss um, in the fashion that we lost. Um, but then it was just like a moment of reflection. Also, it was it was to see where the program went from the day that we got there my freshman year to where it was at that point and where it could go the next season, they make it to the final four. And I think that all of that is just because we work so hard on getting guys ready every year because the next year someone else has to step up. Um, and so it, it was, it was good. It was, it was also though the, the, the last day that I was on the Stanford campus. Like I went from, I went from losing that game to Shucks, going to get on an airplane and going to, at that time, my girlfriend, my now wife's home just to kind of decompress for a minute before I had to start working out for the draft. Yeah, wow. Um, This NCAA tournament, uh, do you know Patrick Ewing at all? I do. So happy for Patrick Ewing, I never told you the story, man. When I was a little kid, Patrick Ewing got his hair cut at my barber. Young's Barbershop in Montclair, New Jersey is where he used to get his hair cut because I think he used to live, Montclair was like a suburb of this, of 
New York where it's like the people with money would live. I was in East Orange. I just kind of crossed the border, get a haircut, and then go back to my go back to my area. But um, but yeah. So when I used to go and get my haircut, he would be sitting in a chair, and literally his knees were as high as I was tall as a kid sitting in the chair, and that was my first introduction to Patrick Ewing. And then from there, uh, you know, just being around the game as much and, and seeing him from time to come. Yeah, I, I've I've I know him, and then he was down at at Lausanne at one point last year. Uh, recruiting Musa, mm-hmm. uh, who's over at, at at Memphis now, and so we I just happened to be in the gym working out uh, Donovan, my son, and so we had a quick moment to, to just rap for about five ten minutes, and, and so I was extremely happy to see him be able to make the run that they made, just because I was tired of hearing people say, "Is he a coach? Should he be a coach? Can big guys be coaching?" And I, I'm like, we put too many stigmas on. What should be this? Is this right for this person? Well, if you can do it, you can do it. Whether you're a big guy, small guy, if you're a, a now a, a woman being able and in coming into our game, if you're able to coach and communicate, you're able to do it. And, and I think that uh, he's done he's done just that, and I'm I'm couldn't be happier for for a better person. I I think it's cool. When I was a kid, I, I loved Georgetown, loved them. I mean, they were they were the cool. Team. Yes. They were cool before Michigan became cool. Yes. Yes. Um, and John Thompson was just. I met him was, when I was a little kid because my dad was an assistant coach with Seton Hall University, mm-hmm. and one of the trips that they went on, they went to Georgetown. He let me go on the trip, so I got to meet John Thompson when I was maybe five or six years old. And you want to talk about? You think he's a, a you giant? Think he's a giant <laughs> at, at a at when you grow up to be regular size. I mean, this was like. My neck was hurting because I had to look so far straight up. <laughs> Watching the highlights uh, over the last couple of days of Ewing playing with Thompson and now Ewing as the head coach, I, I think you rarely see it, but it's awesome to see Patrick Ewing when he smiles. He doesn't seem to smile much, but when he we play for the Knicks, man, I know the pressure. I know the pressure of playing for the Knicks. You don't it, you don't have a chance to smile. But much. but seeing when he smiles, it's it, I mean it it is just the biggest huggable smile. You just want to give the guy yes. a big hug and tell him congratulations. And I, I think it's an awesome story because the relationship that he had with Big John, and now for him to be able to do it at Georgetown. And you're right, you know there was. There was a lot of pressure on him uh, on whether or not he could coach and a lot of talk, you know, about him not getting an opportunity in the NBA. But right. he goes back and he's at Georgetown and, uh, you know, you just want to see guys like that succeed. And uh, I, I think it's been awesome to, to see him in these interviews talking about what it means to him, what it means to him to do it with John Thompson watching. And, um, you know, it's I, I think it's an awesome story. One of the great stories of the tournament. Well, and, and I don't think that it stops at this point. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think they're a 12 seed. Is that I think they're the five. I think they're in the the five twelve matchup. Um, yeah, with Colorado. Exactly with a Pac-12. That's what I was thinking. With a Pac-12 school, which is which is now I got torn feelings because I always want the Pac-12 to win. <laughs> but Georgetown, I, I got the personal relationship with 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 uh, with Patrick Ewing, and so uh, I'm going to be. Biting the few nails that I have, they will be they will be bitten for that game. Yeah, speaking of Pac-12 too, I, I you know I'm a big fan of Drake basketball. Yeah. Uh, because as I like to say, good teams win, great teams cover. Drake uh, with a record this year of 25 and four, 
and they were 23-4, and four, I believe, against the spread this year. Amazing team. They're taking on Wichita State. They'll drub them. Then they have USC. USC has, has a, a really good player in Evan Mobley that uh, everybody's saying will be a top-five pick. And so, listen, the Pac-12, the Pac which, which was deemed as being such a down conference, got five teams into the into this uh, tournament. So, let's, let's see how many – uh, can get out of the first round, yeah. and that 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 has that has been one of the bigger issues for the conference, the conference of champions, oh, getting out of the first round. Uh-huh. <laughs> go St. Louis U. Hopefully, someone comes down with COVID. Four teams come down with COVID, and they get in. <laughs> That's a horrible saw, thing to root for, how, isn't it? But, and how about I saw that at the end, at the end they put up the four, the next four teams that can play Louisville. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what was other, it? it was. I can't remember. But St. Louis U is one of Saint, them. Exactly. But these Ole Miss. Four, these four teams are on standby. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, so SLU I think is the third alternate. So it's like, all right, come on, three teams get COVID. Yeah, great. <laughs> and these start sitting back, like, what am I Man. rooting for? Yeah, right, that's terrible. Uh, but go, <laughs> go Billikens. <laughs> what, what do you see when you look at your bracket? I mean, have you watched? Uh, hey, Rutgers, talk that's, about that's, Rutgers, that, man. I was about to say that. That's what I. All I see is Rutgers. I think they play Clemson in the first round out in the Midwest. Um, am I right? Uh, in the Midwest, I think it's yes, a seven ten matchup. Correct. Yep, and, and so uh, their first time making the the, the tournament. I think in thirty some years yeah. or so. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to be rooting hard for my brother. They, they, uh, they, they've, they've worked hard to get to this point. They would have been in a tournament last year if there was a tournament. Um, they've really, they've really turned the program into one in which players would like to go play for and that they can win. And so with the way that they defend and if they make free throws, that has been their Achilles heel the entire year. They can make some free throws and, and, and knock down threes. They can surprise some people. Yeah. You watch Gonzaga much at all? I watch Gonzaga. They, I mean, they're they're a freaking machine. It's, it, they're an absolute machine. When you when you can um, combine the great coaching that Mark Few that he does that's that's, mm-hmm. that's the name that he does with the with that team, but then you give them talent. That that's a deadly combination uh, in terms of being able to win games. And then they have veteran leadership. Of course, they have Suggs as as, as being a Big time uh, freshman point guard, um, but they got the shooter. What's his name? Seven What's the whatever the shooter's name is? They got him, but they the big guys do a great job of screening and rolling. They got they they have guys that run the wing. They play basketball the way basketball should be played. Yeah, they're fun to watch. I I I think they'll go undefeated. I don't know. When was the last undefeated team? Was Indiana. It, oh, that's right. Coach what, Knight. Coach Knight. Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was our Bill Bender, oh. our old assistant coach? Bob Bender. Bob Bender, yep. That's what I meant. <laughs> You're about as bad as me with these damn names. <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad he's still not our assistant coach. That would have been bad. That would be really bad. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it, man. Get ready for the tournament. It's going to be fun to watch. And uh, we'll be watching this weekend like everybody else. We'll talk about it next week here on Night Court. And again, uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends, review it, send us tweets at Night Court 22, at Brevin Night 22, at The Fish Nation is how you can get a hold of us. So, and, 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 and watch Clarice if you haven't yes, watched Yes, Clarice, man. I caught up. 
and uh, I'm, I'm glad I did. You know, the first one, I, it was just kind of too much setup for me. I wasn't really that into it, but I've been watching. I've watched every episode, and uh, I'm, I like it. Good yeah, show. I'm, I'm Great addicted. Show. I'm addicted. That's why I hate watching shows in season. Yeah. Because now I just got to sit around and wait till now till Thursday. Have you watched The Equalizer yet? I haven't because I don't want. I I, I need something that I could just watch, watch all the way. Binge. Okay. I got I got to binge watch. It, right, so we'll keep it on your list. It's 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 definitely on the list. That I told you, CBS surprised me. All Rise. I got to watch that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They want me to pay for that one though. Like I tried to find it on TV. Like season one, you got to pay for it. I'm oh like, come on, you got to be kidding me. Well, that's not, that's not, crazy. I'm not paying for it. Yeah, I'll give TV you my show. I'll give you my code. Here my password. Got codes. Yeah. All, all right. right. That's gonna do it for us for BK. I'm Fish. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week on Night Court. Peace.